The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Hey, hey, welcome Disability Law Show. Strap in, we're good to go for the next hour. Lots of information for you. Uh, John Scholes here alongside, of course, Savannah Tamark and co-founding partner Sam Firu Tamark and LLP. Just happen to be the most positively reviewed law firm in the country, uh, serving Ontario and Alberta and BC, pretty much across the country. And then Martin Willems covering the BC end of things as well. Always here to answer questions. And anytime you want to send one along, you can do that. It might appear on this show or a future show. As a matter of fact, email first option, help at disabilityrights.ca. There's also the uh, website, mydisabilityquestions.com. The beauty of that one is not only free and anonymous, it also has a searchable uh, searchable database. So that's how it works. Maybe your question something very close to it has been asked and answered in the past, so you can search it. Save some time, right? And then we always like to talk about ltdfaq.ca. That is a website built around short, concise, easy-to-read memos all about LTD. There's, like, boxes with drop-down from there. Check it out sometime. Again, free. Anytime you want to have a look at that, ltdfaq.ca. Guys, a ton of emails piling up already. Want to get to a bunch of these. But, uh, Savannah, you had a couple things you want to discuss before we get uh, rolling. Pal, take it away. Thanks, John. Uh, first thing I want to mention is that last week I was in Vancouver, and, uh, you know, for the first time in a few years due to COVID, we had a get-together there, and Martin was the guy who organized it and traditionally has been organizing it. And it was a get-together of, uh, you know, some of the more prominent long-term disability adjusters uh, and defense lawyers. And, and, of course, us. There was a, a big contingent from our firm, and we deal with many of these long-term disability insurers each and every day. And what struck me about that evening, it was an evening, an easy evening. We didn't talk about work, uh, mostly. Uh, it, it was just a get-together. It was a social occasion. And it struck me how much respect there is, uh, not just for our firm by these insurance companies that attended, but for Martin himself. And I know that Martin has been organizing these events, these, these you know, once-a-year social occasions uh, before COVID, but, you know, we don't have that here in Ontario where I am, certainly not in Alberta, where we also practice uh, quite a lot of long-term disability. And, and, you know, these insurance companies, they insure people for long-term disability across the country. So we're dealing with the, with the same people over and over, many of these defense lawyers and these adjusters. And it was just amazing to me to see these people come there and for us to have our guards down a bit and to see that mutual respect. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because this collegiality outside of work sort of highlights the fact that we have such a strong relationship with many of these insurers. I'm not saying strong as in we're cozy with them. We're not. But there is a mutual respect, meaning that if they know that Martin or someone else in our office is representing someone on an LTD case, on a long-term disability case, they don't take that lightly. They understand that it's because we believe in that case and we're going to take it all the way. And what that translates to is a benefit to our clients. It means that our clients are getting the benefit of our reputation, of Martin's reputation in the field with these insurance adjusters, with these insurance lawyers. And many of them have been doing this for decades. And so this is a very unique thing. And I just want to highlight that. And Martin praised the fact that you were able to do this, put it together after COVID and, of course, before COVID. Uh, and, you know, I, I just observing from the side on the interaction that you had even with many of these defense lawyers, 
it, it was quite something to see. I, I don't know how you feel about that now, but I, I was very impressed to see it, and I was very happy uh, to be invited and, and to share in that evening. You know, I, I, I must say I was very happy that you uh, came and then some other people from Ontario came as well. We have lawyers who work in cross-jurisdictions, which is, you know, not entirely unique, but it's somewhat unique to our firm that people do do that. And I think the point that we're all making is that we have a working relationship with many people who have been doing this for many years. It's not that we take things easy. It's not that we or laid back in our relationships when we deal with the cases that we're representing our clients on. But it is a thing that there is a mutual respect because we know that they know what they're doing and they know that we know what we are doing. Mm -hmm. We have the experience to handle these cases. We are not people dabbling in these cases. We know how to interpret contracts. We know how to interpret medical reports. We know how to represent our clients. And there is a mutual understanding there as well. And, you know, we also had uh, some mediators attend. And it is always nice to see people in that type of context because we're all human. Ultimately, we all have a job to do, but we all are focused on trying to get our um, cases resolved with and doing the best for our clients. So it, it is a, from what I understand, a fairly unique situation in the country, at least, that we do have these once a year uh, social get-togethers. And it is, from my perspective, I often use the phrase, relationship-driven advocacy, where we do advocate for our clients, we do the best that we can for our clients, and I do believe we get very good results for our clients through the way that we represent our clients. But it's also having the relationship with the other side, because I've heard many times that there would be people representing other lawyers who do not have the experience in these cases and who do not have the experiences representing people in long-term disability, critical illness, life insurance, who may be dabbling in this area. And it makes things much more difficult to try and resolve it when you're dealing with somebody who doesn't quite understand the ins and outs of contracts, of policies, of medical reports, and how these cases can be resolved on a very favorable basis to our clients. So it is, I, I'm very happy that Sivan and the rest of the team uh, joined that night and will continue to do this because I'm a strong believer in strong, strong advocacy where we minimize risk to our clients, and we do that through our relationships. one 821 5900 by the way, to reach out any time. Um, I, I mentioned off the top, uh, Savannah, ltdfaq.ca. Uh, talk about that for a minute. You had something to talk about. I do. I mean, that's a website that we had created months and months ago, and it's a website that contains short memos for the public uh, it's at no cost. It's free of charge. They're usually about two to three pages long at most, double-spaced. And it allows people who are having issues or questions about uh, long-term disability or employment matters or the interplay between them uh, to just go there and read up about the most commonly asked questions, the frequently asked questions. It has things to do with uh, um, surveillance, CPP disability, appeals of long-term disability denials, and every so often we update that list. And so we have a new update here that I just wanted to draw people's attention to, which is the connection between employment law and long-term disability law. Mm. And so if you go to that website, ltdfaq.ca, you'll see that memo there that deals with employment and LTD law. And, and you know, I'm just going to go through some of the table of contents again you can just go and load it yourself and there's no legal jargon it's it's in plain language but it will inform you of your rights so uh, disabilities caused by a toxic workplace what you should know 
Can you be fired while on LTD? How a termination of employment impacts an LTD claim? How an LTD denial impacts your job? Uh, what if you're disabled before you've lost your job, etc., etc. And you see, John, these things generally in the past are things that when people called lawyers for, they would have to pay hundreds of dollars to get this advice. Right. We are just putting this information out there time and time again. And as people ask us questions about anything to do with long-term disability, we try and create these little memos out there to just inform the public. The more we empower the public, the better the public is equipped to deal with these insurance companies who traditionally have sort of held that sway of a balance of power, right? It's always been tilted towards insurance companies, and we're trying to remedy that. You can reach out, ltdfaq.ca. That is where that information can be read. So simple. I mean, your kids have no problem navigating that website as well. But if you want to email, you can do so anytime, help at disabilityrights.ca. And the good old-fashioned phone call, one 821 5,900. Want to get to our first email for the day, guys. Uh, Amanda Actually, writes John, in. Yep. Yeah. If you don't Sorry, mind. John. If you don't mind. Yeah. That's okay. If you don't mind. Before we, I know we have a lot of emails here, but mm -hmm. I want to actually mention something that happened this week, this, uh, oh, okay. last week, actually. Uh, and, and I want to get Martin's thoughts on it. I'm sure he's going to be shocked by this. I haven't told him about this yet. So uh, it, we were talking about this get together, social get together uh -huh. we had in Vancouver. And so when I was boarding the plane uh, on the way back late last week, uh, one of our colleagues actually called me, not for advice on a case, but to tell me that he just spoke with a lady who has been denied long-term disability over a year ago, and she had retained a law firm that said that they do long-term disability law. I mean, I question that now. Uh, and she called us because she heard us on the radio, saw us on TV, and, and what we were saying did not jive with what, the, with what that law firm was telling her. And so here's a scenario here. I don't know what the type of work she was doing. I just know that she's fairly severely disabled, you know, for certain can't work. The insurance company is wrong to have denied her. She is on her third appeal now. So she was denied by the insurance company, her long-term disability benefits, hires this insurance company who then helps her appeal. She gets denied again. They again help her appeal. She's now on her third appeal. And of course, we always talk about the fact that these appeals are useless. Do not appeal these long-term disability denials. Contact us. Let us talk to you for free. Go through the documentation and tell you what your options are. So my colleague, of course, told her, "Look, we generally don't tell you know we don't tell people switch law firms unless you absolutely have to. But if you were to want to switch, just so you understand, oftentimes the current lawyers who you have retained." Uh, they will issue you a bill for their time because they've worked on your case and now you're switching to another firm. And this lady says to my colleague, no, no, it's, that's unnecessary. I've been paying them all along. I've been paying them on an hourly rate. I've been paying them at this point more than $12,000. Absolute wow. insanity. I want to get Martin's thoughts uh, on this, but I, it's rare for me to be shocked when I see how other lawyers and law firms sometimes deal with these long-term disability claims. So not only am I shocked that this law firm has told her to keep appealing this decision. By the way, if she had come to us back when she was denied, we probably would have resolved the case by now, let alone have to now start the legal process after all these useless appeals. But the fact that she's had to pay out of pocket when she wasn't getting any money in all this time is a travesty. I, I just I can't even fathom that, and it makes me angry that there are lawyers and law firms out there who either you know take advantage of individuals or simply tell people to hire them when they have no business doing that kind of law. Martin, I don't know what you're thinking about this. I know we have to take a, a, a small break, John, but maybe when we come back, Martin can give us his thoughts about this you know crazy situation. 
Absolutely. I have uh, some thoughts. Yeah, there you, I knew he'd be <laughs> champing at the bit, right? But uh, we'll take a short pause and get to it in the meantime to reach out to either of these gentlemen. You can do so, one 855 821-5900, email help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll continue. This is the Disability Law Show. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back. Disability Law Show. John Scholes here along with Savannah Tamarkin and Martin Willems. These guys are the ones... As always, doing the heavy lifting and answering your questions. You can phone them anytime when we're not doing this hour of radio. one 821 5900 Help at disabilityrights.ca. That's always the email we go to. There's also the uh, mydisabilityquestions.com website. That is free and anonymous, built around you asking questions anonymously and getting them answered uh, quite quickly as well. Um Martin wanted to talk about uh, what's the van, and maybe just give us a quick recap and your thoughts on what we were uh, going into just before the break, right? Okay, so what I understand is somebody watched the show, she has a lawyer, and she was a bit concerned with respect to what she heard us say, or saw us say if it was on the TV show, um, because she is represented by another law firm now. Her claim was denied, sounds like, at least 12 months ago. And she's been involved through this law firm with three appeals, and they've been denied. And unfortunately, she has been paying them by the hour and has spent $12,000 now. And she's where she is now is exactly where she was 12 months ago where this claim was denied. So, I yes, I, I have various thoughts on this. Um, the first thing that I would want to say before I speak about this is the message that we want to get out there for anyone listening, be it to a person who has been denied, a person who is on claim, or if there's a family member listening. If your claim is denied, if you know of somebody's LTD claim that is denied, the very first thing you should do is call us so we can discuss your options with you. And one of the, you do have options, right? Uh, pursuing a legal claim is one, submitting an appeal is one. We're not proponents of appeals, but at least you will have the information to make an informed decision. And that's not what happened here for this lady. She went down the road of submitting an appeal. So maybe you could say that the first one you would, you know, maybe understand why that happened. Because maybe there was some situation that she wanted to go down that road. My advice would not to be that, to do that, but if that is what she did, okay. But then there was a second one and a third one. You know, what more information do you keep providing to this insurance company that they keep denying the claim on? Didn't you realize the first time when you submitted that appeal, the very first one, that, look, this isn't working. You're ultimately appealing to the same entity, not an independent system. It's not an independent entity that you're appealing to. It is the same one. And another concern there is, apart from the fact that she has now gone a year without any funds, she's actually paid money. $12,000, and she's still where she was. She still is not receiving benefits. The insurance company has now more information. I don't know what information has been provided. Some of that information through the appeal may not even have helped the case. It may have been worsening the case, because sometimes I've seen documents submitted in support of an appeal that was not supportive, although the person or the treatment provider or the person making the claim thought um, in good faith that they were providing information that was helpful. And again, that's why you should know what you're doing before you get involved in that process. Three, three appeals later, nowhere to be seen with any money to be paid. 
and now we're coming up to, you know, it may happen that there may be a limitation period that runs out. And then again, she's been paying $12,000 and she's right back to where she started. Uh, I have seen this before where I work here in BC at a time the limitation period to file a legal claim was one year. And I've seen it happen where clients have come to us where the limitation period had expired because it's very important to understand that while you are appealing the claim, if that is what your choice is, to go down that road, the limitation period within which to file a legal claim continues to run. It's not suspended. It continues to run, and people don't always understand that. So in good faith, you're engaged in this appeal process. Now I felt one, two, and maybe three. Those appeals can take time. And you're at risk of the limitation period expiring while you're engaged in your mind in a good faith exercise to try and convince wow. the insurance company to, to approve your claim. So what I've seen in the past is when people have come to us because the, the lawyers who represented them did not advise them of the running of the limitation period. They were engaged in this appeal process and the limitation period expired. Now they have a claim against the law firm because the limitation period had expired. And it makes things even more messy because the insurance company is still not paying. So again, the message is, if the claim is denied, you get on the phone or you email us so that we can discuss with you your option. And if you do want to go ahead with other, the, the appeal process, that's going to be your choice. But we'll explain to you why we don't believe that is the right way to do it. Because unfortunately, this has not happened for this lady. But the good thing is, at least, she's now speaking to us, and we can discuss with her our options and maybe even try to remedy the situation. Oh, man, guys, let's get into our first email, see what uh, see what happens here. Amanda writes in, by the way, it is help at disabilityrights.ca. Amanda's from, uh, from Calgary, which you guys practice, of course, in Alberta. says, can you reapply for long-term disability once your two years is up, still receiving medical treatment and not ready to return to work? Short and concise, but what's the answer, guys? Well, that's that presupposes that you need to reapply for long-term disability. And one thing that people often don't understand or confuse uh, in large part because insurance companies, I think, prey on individuals not understanding their rights is that your long-term disability benefits do not simply expire. They don't extinguish at the two-year mark. All that happens under most policies out there is that there is a change of definition. There is a change in the requirement or, or in the criteria that allows you to get LTD beyond that two-year mark. So let's go back to basics. For the first two years, again, under most policies, the test is, can you perform the essential tasks of your own occupation? Beyond the two-year mark, the test changes, it broadens a bit. Uh, essentially, it's not your own occupations, it's any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. Now, we do uh, full shows just on this topic, so I'm not going to do that here, but you know, Amanda's question here, John, specifically assumes that somehow her benefits expire at that two-year mark, and so then once those benefits extinguish or stop, she then potentially should be then uh, uh, reapplying for LTD. Well, that's not the case. If she continues to be unable to work in any other occupation for which she's, she's suited for, and, and when people ask me, what does that mean? I usually say, look, if you can work in another job uh, that pays you 60, 65% of your predisability income, it's called commensurate income, well, then the insurance company may, and I highlight may, have a case to stop your benefits. But in those instances, also, sometimes you should be getting ongoing benefits beyond the two-year mark. 
Insurance companies take advantage of people thinking that their benefits end at the two-year mark, and so they just simply walk away. They don't do their research. They don't question it. Uh, and in a case like Amanda's, where I'm assuming she can't continue to work, potentially in any other occupation, she's thinking, well, can I do something else here? And the reality is that she may actually be entitled to benefits beyond that two-year mark. And I tell people, if you have any question, if you're unsure, you don't know if that applies to you, perhaps not even you, your friend, a family member, a colleague that has their benefits being cut off at that two-year mark or around that time period, have them give us a call or email us. We don't bite. <laughs> We're nice guys. Uh, you know, we, we talk with people for free. We review documentation for free. We are here to empower the public. And I've had situations, John, I'm sure Martin has that has had that too, as a result of our exposure on the radio, on TV, in BC and in Alberta, where people call us and they've been cut off LTD five years ago, six years ago, eight years ago, but they've just now heard us and learned about their rights. And they're asking, oh my God, you know, my benefits stopped, you know, at that two-year mark back then, all these years ago. Uh, but uh, I didn't know that I, in fact, was entitled to more benefits. Can you do something now? Well, unfortunately, we can't. We can't because if you don't do something, if you don't challenge the insurance company legally within two years of being denied those LTD benefits, within, you know, from those two years of, of being cut off those benefits, you are potentially in a situation where you cannot, you have no legal remedy against the insurance company. So all this money that potentially was yours all these years and ongoing are now going to be left in the insurance company's pockets and not yours. So please, if you have any questions about any of this, give us a call. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. We'll keep giving that number out so you can use it anytime. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Let's get uh, Sonia in there before we we take a break. Uh, right since says, guys, I stopped taking my antidepressants without my medical team knowing for a few months because I was scared of what it was doing to me. But they since found out and they have prescribed me back on the medication and I'm taking it as prescribed. If insurance finds out this happened, can they legitimately cut me off my LTD? Do I have to tell them before they find out? Is there something my medical team can do to help not getting me cut off with the insurance? That's an interesting question, Sonia. So disability policies are contracts, as we've said before. And as the person making the claim, you have certain duties. And one of them is that you should follow prescribed treatment. Now, that's a statement that we can make as a general statement, but obviously you have to investigate in a situation like this, why was it not being done? Uh, Sonia was saying she was concerned as to what it was doing to her. And you know, we, I hear this from many people who do take antidepressants. Sometimes the doctors need to switch it up to see what medication does work for the client or the patient at least. Some of them have real, real bad side effects. I've heard of clients who've become suicidal. I've heard of clients who have had significant other issues with respect to their health where it wasn't working, where it actually made things worse. So I'm not sure if this is what happened to Sonia, but the advice would be that, number one, you see your doctors on a regular basis. So she says that she didn't see the doctors for a few months, but then she ultimately did. And there was a discussion, and then they did make a decision to put her back on medication. I'm not sure if it is the exact same medication, but again, when we're dealing with antidepressants, it's not uncommon for people to be switched to different brands until they find something that did help. Ultimately, she is following her doctor's advice. She did meet with them. They had a discussion and her doctor made an informed decision to make a prescription and she's doing that. 
Can the insurance company legitimately, whether she use cut her off? I don't think so. You know, uh, but they may say that we could suspend it for a certain period that you were not doing that. And even that I would disagree with because Sonia is living with a mental health disorder, clearly, because she's taking antidepressants. She's going through a very tough time, yet she is following a doctor's advice. Um, is there anything that a medical team can do to help her not being cut off with insurance? Well, the doctors will provide opinions as to whether Sonia is disabled or not. And they can speak about the medication that she's taking, that she is following through with recommended treatment, that she's being treated optimally. And if there were to be a denial, even in the face of an opinion like that, again, the message that we keep giving, get in touch with us because a denial based on this, this fact pattern wouldn't sit well with me and we would be able to assist. Guys, want to take a short break, get to lots more. We'll do that and give you a chance to type out an email as well. To do so, help at disabilityrights.ca. You have the options of writing into mydisabilityquestions.com. That's always free and anonymous to use that. And then the phone number after the show, 1-855-821-5900. Disability Law Show continues. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. All right, welcome back, Disability Law Show. Thanks for uh, hanging in through the break. You're reaching out. You can anytime help at disabilityrights.ca and 1-855-821-5900. Savannah and Martin are here answering all of your questions. This next one, guys, from uh, from Susie in Toronto. She says, uh, gentlemen, I was cut off LTD in September 2020. My lawyer received the pay, uh, paperwork. On this, as my copy of this letter showed the CC to them, it was during COVID, and I stopped going to the doctor because of COVID at the time, and the doctor only took FaceTime, which I could do, as I didn't have it on my phone. Couldn't do, rather. Uh, my LTD has been cut off, still have the same lawyer. What can be done if my lawyer is at fault, or is this my fault? What can I do as I am still disabled? Ugh. Wow. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack here. Um, number one, Susie, the fact that you already have a lawyer, I think um, I, uh, clearly you're having some reservations with that lawyer because you would have spoken with your lawyer about this. And, you know, I think that speaks to a larger issue that Martin and I sometimes deal with and the rest of our team. And I think we've spoken about at the beginning of the show with me describing that law firm that told this lady to appeal, appeal, appeal and charge her by the hour, which we do not do. Uh, you know, some lawyers, it's not what they do. Um, you have to be careful which lawyer, which law firm you hire to help you with a, your long-term disability claim. If you hire the wrong lawyer or the wrong law firm, you are the one that is going to suffer, not that lawyer. So you have to do your homework. That's what we tell people, do your research. We'd love to speak with you, but if you want to go elsewhere, that's fine. Just make sure you get the right team on your side. Now, let's deal with Susie's claim here. She was cut off in September 2020. So the first thing, Susie, you need to understand is that you got two years from the date of denial to start a legal claim against your insurance company. So that's coming up, right? I mean, we're in 2022. We're in September. I don't know when in September. It could be that it's already passed. Uh, you know, that would concern me. I would want to make sure that you speak with your lawyer as soon as possible to find out if a legal claim has already been commenced against the insurance company. The other thing I will tell you is, and I'll get to the whole issue about the doctor and stopping to see him because of COVID, et cetera, in a second. Uh, when we speak with individuals who've been cut off long-term disability, we start that legal claim almost immediately. 
unless there is a very good reason to wait, we do not wait. And that is also something that distinguishes us from other lawyers. And there are various reasons for this. Uh, let's just leave it at, at, at you know the fact that the longer we wait to start that claim, the longer it's going to take to resolve the claim with the insurance company, which means that's the time frame for the delay of you getting the money you're owed. So if we wait for two years to start a claim on your behalf, that's two years you're going to have to wait to get money plus whatever time it takes us to actually force the insurance company to pay you. So if you come to us, if you had come to us, Susie, back in September 2020 and we felt that we could advocate for you and start that legal claim against the insurance company, chances are you already would have resolved the claim at this point, maybe a year ago even, and you would have put that money in your pocket. You could have you know, continued with your treatments, do whatever you need to do to move on with your life. Instead, you are now contacting us because you have reservations about your lawyer, and hopefully you are not beyond that two-year mark for starting that legal claim against the insurance company. Now, let me unpack here the issue with stopping to see your doctor. Look, COVID was what we call a black swan. It was one of those events that happened, you know, they're decades in the making. It is something that rattled the whole world. We're still not out of it completely. Uh, I'd like to think that we are, but the reality is it's still here. Uh, it's still affecting people psychologically and physically with long-haul COVID. The reality is that if you stopped going to the doctor, and I don't know what kind of doctors you had. Is it a family doctor? Is it a specialist? I don't know. You do have an obligation under your insurance policy to get treatments, to try and get better. It's a legal duty, not just a contractual duty. It's called the duty to mitigate. If you are not feeling well and you're applying for long-term disability or you're on long-term disability and you have an injury or an illness, you have an obligation to try and get better. If your doctors are telling you you must do so-and-so as treatments and you don't do them, the insurance company could cut you off on the basis of non-compliance, saying you are not complying with your prescribed treatments. Therefore, you are not complying with your obligations under that contract, that contract being your insurance policy. Now, you're saying that there was a reason why you weren't able to go to see the doctor. Did you see anyone else? Were you able to see various treatment practitioners? Are we dealing with a physical illness or injury? Meaning that, did you see perhaps a physiotherapist during this time if we're dealing with a chronic pain case? Uh, if it's a psychological case, were you able to perhaps connect with a psychologist uh, or someone else in that regard? You're saying you don't have FaceTime on your phone. Did you do anything else to try and get better during this time or did you just take a hands-off approach and say, I'm not gonna do anything? If it's the latter, that's more problematic. The insurance company is gonna take the position, most likely, that you simply did not comply with your obligations under the policy uh, and did not uh, follow prescribed treatments. But again, we need more information here. Here's the one thing I will say from a general standpoint. Insurance companies cut people off left, right, and center off of long-term disability. More often than not, when people come to us and they tell us, I've been cut off LTD, more often than not, we determine that the insurance company was in the wrong. Now, I don't know why the insurance company here cut this lady off, John, but I can tell you that it, it's possible it was for reasons unrelated to her not going to the doctor. Mm -hmm. It's possible that this was one of the reasons. Whatever the reason is, whatever the situation is, we will deal with that. And it's very important, Susie, to understand that when you go to a lawyer that knows what they're doing and this is their field, they're going to unpack everything. They're going to ask you questions about your case, look at all the documentation, and give you your options. So right now, my advice is immediately 
contact your lawyer, find out if a claim has been issued against the insurance company, a legal claim. If not, it needs to be done ASAP because you were cut off about two years ago. If you don't do this now, you are jeopardizing your claim, meaning that you may not be able to get the money you're owed from the insurance company. That's all I'm going to say about this. I don't know, Martin, if you have any thoughts about this, but I'm very concerned uh, if, in fact, the claim has not been issued to date. I agree with those comments. You know, filing a legal claim is a necessity. And you, we already spoke about this with getting negation in the appeal and the limitation period still runs, even if you're involved in that process. I do want to make the comment, and it is a unique time that we're living in, in BC, uh, I'm not sure about the other provinces, but in BC, there was a suspension of the running of the limitation period for a period of time as a result of COVID. Yeah. We cannot give people advice as to whether their claims, if they didn't pursue a legal claim and they were cut off more than two years ago, whether they still have a claim. But the advice that we can give, and it is really important advice, contact us that we can review your situation to see if there is still time to pursue a legal claim. And often there is. And there may be something in the contract or there may be something that the insurance company did that we could use to make an argument that we're not out of time. So don't be dissuaded or discouraged necessarily. If it is beyond the two-year mark, at least speak with us so you can have the information to know that there was an option if you weren't unsure about it. Guys, there's lots to unpack in this exit email from uh, from Jan in uh, in Edmonton. So I'm going to save it for the other side of the break because it's going to take a little while to get through it. So we'll do that. In the meantime, here's the number to reach out to Martin and Savannah anytime, 1-855-821-5900. Email address help at disabilityrights.ca. This is a disability law show. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. All right. Welcome back. Disability Law Show. Love having you around for the complete hour. It's not just a listening thing. You can also reach out to Savan or Martin anytime you would like. How do you do it? Help at disabilityrights.ca for email and one 855 821 5900. There's also the option of uh, reading and educating yourself through ltdfaq.ca. Short, concise memos all about LTD. You can use that anytime. Okay, guys, Jan's email here. Let's go from Edmonton. Jan says, my friend has been unable to work for the past five months following a serious bullying incident which occurred and was witnessed at work. He's not received a penny from employer, the insurance company, or WCB during those five months, despite providing regular absence certificates presented uh, from his medical doctor. Initially, his company referred his case to the insurance company to enable benefits to be paid. However, upon learning it was a work-related incident that triggered his condition, they closed his case file and said it needed to be dealt with by WCB Alberta. Three months after WCB referral, a determination was rendered to refuse his case on the basis of his doctor not providing the actual APA DSMV assessment criteria related to his diagnosis. A diagnosis, by the way, upon which his doctor has confidently prescribed medication and further from uh, for which my friend has been meeting regularly with a provincial health care worker so wcb has now handed it back to his company and they're closing the case unless he chooses to protest his company has informed him 
They've heard from WCB and have referred his case back to the insurance company to reopen his file since WCB refused his claim. It gets better. The employer also wants to know if he intends to protest the WCB decision. Um, it is a total merry-go-round. The injured worker, meantime, has totally exhausted his savings as nobody has paid him for five months, despite regular presentation of his doctor's certificates. His company told him not to worry about money at the beginning of all this, so who's supposed to be? Should be paying him all this time. I can only imagine how the additional stress of not having any income is affecting my friend's recovery. It is sad to see him being subjected to what can only be labeled as corporate bullying when he's still trying to recover from the original workplace incident. Man, what a tennis match that is. What is going on there, guys? Wow. That is right? crazy. Uh, Martin, I'll give some quick thoughts, and I'm sure you'll have some as well. Uh, we, we unfortunately see this quite a lot where you have people that are stuck between a rock and a hard place and another rock. Uh, here you're dealing with the employer, you're dealing with the insurance company, you're dealing with workers' compensation. Look, all of these entities, uh, you know, employment aside, uh, dealing with insurance company and you're dealing with workers' compensation, no one, no one wants to pay. And you have these people who are injured through no fault of their own, and it, even if it is their fault, it doesn't matter. The point is that they are now injured and unable to work. Now look, with respect to the insurance company, that's what I want to focus on, the long-term disability insurer. I understand if they are saying that this is a workplace incident and workers' compensation should be paying because under the long-term disability policy contract, it's a contract, uh, it does state there that to the extent that workers' compensation pays benefits, they're the first payor, meaning that the insurance company only has to pay whatever is above and beyond uh, whatever workers' compensation pays by way of income. And so it's really important to understand here that the insurance company is waiting to see what happens with workers' compensation. The problem is that in this case, WCB, workers' compensation, has said they're not paying. Well, if they're not paying and this person is unable to work, then the long-term disability insurance company ought to be paying. And if they're not, we can start a legal claim against the insurance company. And that's what we do in many of these cases. Now, if at some point later this employee, this injured worker, uh, wants to take this higher up with workers' compensation, that's another thing. But as long as workers' compensation is not paying here, or as long as, ma uh, sorry, I was going to say the insurance company is, is uh, uh, responsible to pay long-term disability benefits, they have to do that. And if they don't do that, then this individual here, Jan, your friend, has a legal claim that we can enforce. You know, <clears throat> when I read things like this, and I hear things like this. It is a difficult time out there. People are struggling. And this is a complicated fact pattern. And I can just imagine living through that, how difficult it must be. And even other lawyers, I think, would struggle with giving proper advice on something like this. Because there is the interplay between the employer, WorkSafe BC, the insurance, or WorkSafe, the um, insurance company. And I've seen this so many times. Sivan has spoken about the, the ltdfaq.ca um, component that we have, the website where you deal with employment issues in LTD. And this is something that just makes me so angry when I hear about it. If there's workplace bullying and harassment happening, insurance companies almost always will say, this is not our problem. You need to go to WCB or you need to go deal with your employer because this is an employment issue. It's not our issue. But if you read this, this person is taking medication for a mental health disorder. 
I'm not sure why there hasn't been a DSM-5 assessment. I don't think that makes sense to me, which means that there is a recognized uh, psychiatric disorder. But the doctors are treating this um, uh, uh, Jane's friend for a mental health disorder. And that, if it had been created through the workplace, it's still a disability, right? And if WCB has denied the claim, it goes back, as Savannah said, to the insurance company. They cannot simply wash their hands of it. A person who has become disabled, regardless of why, qualifies for disability benefits under this policy, under any group policy. If it's a mental health disorder, and I've seen so many cases that have been denied by WorkSafe BC when we speak about mental health disorders and that they are related to bullying and harassment, very, very few of them are approved. So the insurance companies often use that to say, well, you need to go there or you need to go deal with your employer or just go work in a different location or, or at a different branch or even for a different employer. That's not the assessment for LTD. That's not the assessment to qualify for long-term disability benefits. If you have a mental health disorder or another illness that makes it so that you cannot work, you qualify for benefits under that policy, regardless of what the insurance company tells you. This is a contract and they have to abide by their obligations. And this is a horrible situation because five months down the line, again, where Jan's friend is right back to where they were and nobody is paying. And five months without any money and living with a mental health disorder, how stressful must that be? So message to everybody that we gave, get on the phone, contact us, and we will be able to help to at least review these documents and give you some proper advice. And I think in this case, there's a legal claim to pursue. Guys, with that, one uh, 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca is how you want to reach out. Uh, we'll try to get through George here. Actually, you know what, guys? We've got two minutes left in the show. I'll give you some final thoughts, Savannah, what you think about today overall moving forward. You know, I mean, to echo what Martin has said, people find themselves now, uh, especially post-COVID, inflation running wild. Uh, they find themselves in, in very, very difficult situations. Insurance companies now more than ever are denying claims. People need to be educated and they need to be empowered to understand what their rights are. You are not helpless. This is the key point here. And, and you know, there are many people who are listening to us, John, every week. And I tell people, look, it's great that you're listening, but make sure that you pass on that knowledge. Tell people about us or about the website. You know, whether or not people come to us for help and want to hire us or a different lawyer, that's irrelevant to what we're doing here. We are here to empower people. You need to understand what insurance companies are allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do. That is what is going to give you the confidence to make the right decision. And if the insurance company stops your benefits, your long-term disability benefits, you will know what to do. And if you don't, and if you're hesitant, you give us a call and we will speak with you for free. We will empower you and we will make sure that you know exactly what your options are and then and then you can take on the insurance company guys you may be forecasting a cutoff or otherwise with your insurance company after hearing the show don't hesitate make the call now right headed off of the past for sure here's that number one more time before we get out of here for the day one 821 5900 email help at disabilityrights.ca and for any other questions you can go to mydisabilityquestions.com that website is free and anonymous for you to use also searchable as well and as savan likes to mention a couple times during the show short concise easy to read and understand memos all about ltd those can be found at ltdfaq.ca and we'll catch you next time on the disability law show
The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.